welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck. and it is almost Christmas. It's getting to that time of the year, very festive. It's getting warm here in Australia. Um, And so this is actually going to be our final episode of 2020. Um, So we're going to keep it a bit light for this episode, Um, our our last one in this craziest of years. Um, And for a little while, we have been thinking about a bit of a recurring topic that has come up every now and then in our conversations and that is embarrassing mistakes when trying Mm -hmm. to speak another language. (laughs) Do you think it comes up a lot Beck because we like are making a lot of mistakes or because Uh, we're we're open to discussing them or (laughs) or, you know natural part of life? (laughs) Both both, all of those things really I think I think all of those things and more um I think look I suppose we know that mistakes are totally a natural part of the language learning process and something that's always encouraged. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're pleasant all the time. Um, And I think, you know, depending on the kind of mistake that it may have been or the mistake that you're still making, these things can be quite continuous. Um, And then it might stick in your mind for the two seconds it might stick in your mind for a very very long time and you might remember it forever because it was so embarrassing and um yes I think mistakes are important um so maybe that's why they keep coming up because sometimes we're just so embarrassed that we can't forget that moment of embarrassment (laughs) um but really from a learning perspective I guess that's a good thing maybe well, that's right, because don't forget, if we're not making mistakes, we're not growing, we're not learning, we're not continuing to improve. Isn't that, isn't that how it goes? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. So even though, even though our human nature wants us to like run a mile um, every time we make a, an embarrassing mistake, I guess we have to keep doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Is there something that jumps out in your mind, Beck, as a huge or <laughs> a huge big mistake you've made or maybe something ongoing that you, you were making? <laughs> so I don't think, well, I was having a little bit of think about this and I don't think I've ever made any really like spectacularly bad mistakes in front of lots of important people or anything like that. You know, it's, it's never as bad as you think it might be. Um, I think when you're, you know, when you're, when you're concerned about making mistakes in front of people, um, when you're learning a new language, I think sometimes we tend to overinflate what that might feel like because um, the fact is that the vast majority of us when we're learning another language, like we're just talking to other people who are usually pretty understanding. So mm. even the like worst of our mistakes are not even that bad. Um, you know, we're not going out in front of the UN or something trying to make an important speech and then making a terrible a terrible mistake in front of lots and lots of important people. It's never like that. Um, so, yeah, nothing nothing huge and spectacular, although there are definitely a couple of examples for me that have stuck in my mind for so long that I still think about them now sometimes. So one of those, um, 
to give an example was when I, when I first went to well, actually it wasn't it wasn't the first time I went to France. It was the second time I went to France, um, I was about seventeen, and I was there on exchange, staying with a uh, staying with our host family, and um, anyone out there who has learnt French may have no noticed that there is there is one particular I think what would we call it like a pronunciation trip <laughs> something that you tend to like you know you just trip over it as a as an English speaker fairly often and that is the difference between the OU sound so things like for example vous like v-o-u-s which is the plural version of you um sounds to an English speaker um very similar to vu which is the past of seen sorry it's the past version of to see so if you've seen something j'ai vu something um and that difference is yeah to I think a native English speaker actually very subtle um but can be quite significant in in French (laughs) Um, and once, uh, again, so vivid in my mind, this, this moment, it was like a, I think a Sunday afternoon lunch or something. And I was there with my host family who were very, very lovely, very welcoming, very understanding people who, who very much helped me with my French while I was trying to learn it there. And they were asking me about my family and I was trying to explain something about one of my cousins and the word for cousin in French is very, very similar to the way in English, it's cousin or cousine. And I still in my, you know, teenage self had not quite worked out this difference between these two sounds in French. Um, and instead of saying cousine, I said cousine. And cu in French is um, kind of a word, not the most pleasant word, it's... <laughs> It's a word for like, I guess, your backside. And um, everybody started laughing around the family lunch table. Aww. And <laughs> I was sort of like, wait, what did I say? I was just talking about my cousin. And um, and then I had this little French lesson around the table in a very, very comfortable, nice way. Everyone was really, really nice about it, but they did have a giggle. And I had a giggle too. Um, but I've never forgotten it. And all these years later, you still remember. I know. All these years later, I still remember it. But you know what? Now I do, I think, know the difference between that like ooh versus u sound. Well, that's good because I probably need to uh, brush up on that now. You've <laughs> highlighted it so well. <laughs> well, another good example of that one is that you can, again, quite easily trip yourself up on exactly the same sound. Um if you say, so the word for a lot in French, many people know this is beaucoup. Um, but if you say beaucoup, <laughs> then you're actually saying that someone has a, a nice ass. So <laughs> maybe like a bit, a bit, yeah. But you, you can see how for a native English speaker, those sounds are actually not not straightforward to distinguish initially. Sure. So the thing is that like people are very understanding about that and you might all have a giggle together about it. Um, but yeah, look, I guess it's it's helped me. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm I'm impressed that you've got such a strong recollection of a mistake oh. that you've made. Because you know, in thinking for this episode, in my mind, what I was preparing um, earlier today, I was like, oh, 
God, I'm going to blow this episode up because I can't think, (laughs) you know, more than any decent juicy mistakes that I've made. I'm just like, I've made a zillion. I know I have, but I think I just, I just, I think I just move on. I just don't think I hold them. See, I'm quite quite jealous of that, that you're able to just I don't know. It just means I've got no anecdotes or... But I feel because you have learnt tonal languages, they're notorious for causing yeah. embarrassing mistakes, or at least you know, kind of tricky, tricky mistakes that you don't even know that you're making. Um, because yeah. just kind of in the example that I was telling you about before, like there's these pronunciation, well, the the tones can sound can be very hard for for English speakers or other speakers to to distinguish. Like, can you think of any times where that's tripped you up? Yeah, well, there is a common kind of group of words um, in Vietnamese, spelt G-A. So one of the words is, so with different tones, so one is ga for chicken and one is ga for station and one is ga, which means prostitute. So it's very easy, I think, because it's all, they're all spelt the same, G-A, it's just the tones that are different, um, in that sense you, you could easily trip up on those. And I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure I've said the wrong thing a zillion times, but I guess it's good that it's, it stays in context. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I feel like that one in particular because one of those is station, that that could so easily um, come up in like asking someone for directions or yeah. telling, a, telling a taxi driver where you want to go and they're like, wait, excuse me, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, with Chinese though, I think a lot of my mistakes uh, kind of are around ordering food and decoding menus because I don't know if if um, you've had any experience reading menus in Chinese a lot of the dishes have these elaborate names which have no relation to actually what the main ingredients are in the dish you know you know something crazy like tiger head noodles or something which is not obviously what the ingredients are it's some beautiful descriptive romantic way of describing what the food is (laughs) and so as a learner that's that is can be really tricky but one of the things I was really keen on learning pretty quick was how to avoid ending up with lots of offal or intestines or any kind of stomachy inside bits in my soup and noodles and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I was pretty keen on trying to make sure that I could say, you know, <laughs> no, no offal. <laughs> Um, but then there was always this this thing I often ended up with liver and I'm just like I wonder if that was not considered like strict awful or or whether I didn't wasn't you know explaining myself clearly enough that that also counts as a bit of the body that I didn't feel like eating and also blood as well Uh, ah yes great to be I hope you guys are not like eating brekkie or something as I'm talking (laughs) Well, and that is quite common in, especially in Vietnamese food, isn't it? Having um, having blood. Yeah, Vietnamese. I think for me, it's it's really strong in my mind from China, and I think that's just because, um, just I was eating a lot of, I guess, street food, everyday food, and not 
being able to read menus for months <laughs> as a beginner, <laughs> um, you often just lucky dip, see what you get. Um, so, yeah, but I did, you know, just, you know, you can dive through a bowl of noodles and avoid all the bits you don't want to eat <laughs> as long as you're not vegetarian. <laughs> so what about when you, in the times when you did end up with liver or with something that you didn't quite mean to order, did you ever send it back? Or <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. I think that would just be like a whole new level of <laughs> crazy white girl can't order the food that she wants to eat. So <laughs> suck it up. <laughs> Did you at least find that when you, so when you did make these, I suppose in your case, they weren't necessarily mistakes. They were, um, you know, it was maybe just a a slight difference in understanding. Um, But did, did that really then stick in your mind? Like, did you know then afterwards that you would, you would try to order differently next time? Yeah. And that's why I was really, really keen on making sure I knew all the different kind of character combinations for different body parts that I didn't want <laughs> to have just so I could be really sure when I was looking at the menus you know that some sneaky bit of <laughs> something didn't end up in my dish <laughs> you know what this is really making me think of Penny um I know there's a lot of stuff on the internet that floats around um where you know people have funny translations of uh of menus from all around the world this is not exclusive to to, to China or, or Vietnam for example but um all around the world when there are weird you know people have clearly just used Google Translate to to, to find whatever the heck the meaning yep. is um, in English or another language and you get these hilarious explanations, um, sometimes very, very literal, other times just genuine nonsense. Um, but at least they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at you least, know. you know, you might get some of the key ingredients in that translation so you might know what you're dealing with. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> unless it's like tiger head soup or something. That's right, exactly. <laughs> Um, but then you know points for creativity because I kind of like that tiger head soup like yeah I think it's because like the the meatballs have got this texture to them ah amazing and it it looks a bit like fur and (laughs) do tigers Uh have fur (laughs) you know what I mean like (laughs) (laughs) all of this also just highlights like how important is humor when learning a language very oh completely and just like going with the flow so you know oh gosh ended up with body parts again oh well yeah (laughs) I'll do better tomorrow night exactly Um, and not beating yourself up about it it's just yeah kind of a a funny mistake and um well you learn something from it it's funny I don't know if if um you have had this experience too when you've traveled abroad or whether it's me just trying to you know blend in as much as I can so in countries where I've you know I don't haven't learnt the language I mean the Netherlands springs to mind I've traveled a lot by myself and I've been to the Netherlands quite a few times and I just remember there in particular you know in places like the grocery store or things like that the um, store people would would speak to me in Dutch and I I would always just you know (laughs) say yes or thank you just the words that I could say um, without really knowing what they said. Do you, do you ever do that? <laughs> I have definitely done that before. 
<laughs> I, I have done that, that too. And, yeah, especially in that when you only know like yes, no, and thank you. Um, but yes and thank you just mostly go together. I guess mm-hmm. so much so often you're you someone says something and you just go, Yes, thanks. <laughs> or at a well, short no you just say thank you to everything. Um and yeah, that can land you in some quite funny situations where especially when you just get a puzzled face in return. And then you realise you're like, oh, no, they weren't asking a yes or no question. So I guess yeah, I you're so used yet. to saying no to things and then you're like, would you like a bag? You're like, no, and then you have to like struggle out with all yes. these things. <laughs> yeah, that has, that has definitely happened. I know a little bit like the um, the Seinfeld episode with the, the pirate shirt. I don't know if you how much Seinfeld you watched, but anybody out there who has also watched Seinfeld, um, yeah, may identify with that, you know, just sort of nodding and, and smiling and then finding that you've gotten yourself into a weird situation. I know. And I think that's just me just, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to pretend that I can. <laughs> well, it happened exactly. in Japan too. I, I was determined at this, um, we were there a few years ago and we're staying in this really, really cute little family run ryokan and the daughter of the owner spoke excellent English, but um, she knew that I could you know say a few tiny things in Japanese so she'd always try and speak to me in Japanese but um like 90% of it I did not understand um and I I think I just kind of just you know just kept it going for as long as I could because I'm like oh this is so cool she you know she's talking to me and I can't really understand but it's just really fun Do you ever like, and we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think this is also relevant here too. The idea of like an English speaker's guilt, like I, I often feel so bad if I'm somewhere where I can't speak the the local language that I really attach myself to the things that I do know how to say. And this is where I guess we get into the, the yes and the no's and the thank you and when that's about the extent of what you can say properly. Um, <clears throat> you know, whenever any, anybody says something to you, I'm so... I, I I don't want to have to say I'm sorry. Do you speak English? So I yeah. just I just respond with whatever I've got, and that might not be very much. Yeah, and I think <laughs> maybe it's certain people, maybe people like us, Beck, that um, have this feeling because you know deep down we know that <laughs> you know if we really tried, maybe we could learn Dutch and we could we could actually communicate. Um, so maybe it does affect us more than the the average the average person. But also, don't you think though that in I guess in the learning process in general, so much about the the initial building of confidence um, to be able to speak in another language is just faking it until you make it. Um, mm. And I think that's the that's actually the beginning. The kind of like I'm just going to say yes and thank you and and no and hope for the best is um, that first step that you take as you as you start to 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 actually interact with other people in another language it may not be very much but you have to you have to start somewhere because otherwise if you waited to speak until you were like finally ready in inverted commas whatever that means um then you'd probably never start talking and all that exposure you know the the listening to different different voices and and different ways of speaking is you know, such a great way to have all that input at the beginning anyway, isn't it? Even if you can't understand a single thing. Well, exactly. And I think as a as a as a kid, like when we talk about like, you know, the way that kids sort of learn languages and how they sort of absorb everything and they're all like sponges and all that sort of stuff. Well, actually they just spend a lot of time listening. 
Um, and I think as adults, we find that actually quite difficult, especially if you're like us and you like to talk all the time, then it can be really difficult to just just listen because you want to respond. You've got ideas and answers to give people and you want to engage in conversation, but you don't um, you don't always have the vocabulary or the grammar to back yourself up yet <laughs> to have a to have like a real an adult conversation the way you'd like to in your native language. And I think mm-hmm. that's a real struggle actually for many adults that, you know, when you start learning another language, you have this kind of childlike experience where you you can't express yourself. And it's frustrating um, in the same way that as a child, actually, you got frustrated too. You just don't remember the frustration. <laughs> you know, when, you're, when your kid starts crying or something and they can't tell you that they're hungry, um, it's exactly the kind of frustration actually that we feel as an adult when we're like, I can't say any of those things because I don't have any of the words about, you know, <laughs> talking about yeah. soups and noodles. Like I only learned how to get directions from people on the street and and then you you find yourself in this position where like like ah oh, I've got the the concepts in my head um so like I'm a you know I can be a 30 year old person and really feel like a five-year-old in my language level and yeah that can I think be a very very frustrating experience but it also can be a very interesting and kind of fun experience too because it really highlights to you the, the stuff that you want to be able to use every day and it shows you what language you need to learn still. I think as a as a learner as well, um, when we are being so active and listening and engaging with conversation, that so much of it is taking what we can from the context and kind of, you know, the 60-70% that we might get and then trying to make a guess or trying to make an educated kind of assumption about what the question is or what the conversation is about Um, and that I think is when a lot of mistakes have happened to me is because I've you know I've made the guess the the wrong way so you know I might have missed the negative or I might have missed a question or you know just one little nuance in the sentence and it's just like oh you know (laughs) Something I don't know what what's a good example, but um, but that is all about you know giving it a shot, isn't it? And putting yourself out there and going, okay, I've almost got this, but not quite. So yes. I think I think he's trying to say this, but <laughs> it can go one of two ways. But hopefully, exactly. hopefully in the end, you'll still end up laughing about it, or yeah. you'll be happy with yourself that you kind of got it right. Yeah, because sometimes you do get it right, of course. Exactly. So the the outcome is usually pretty positive. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a time when I've made a mistake. This goes back to, I guess what we started talking about, but I can't think of a time where I've made a mistake that was so bad. I felt terrible. Like I felt genuinely bad. I've only ever felt like embarrassed or like, you know, maybe a bit funny, (laughs) um, but never genuinely terrible, um, and, you know, that that in itself is a good kind of acknowledgement that really all of this is sort of worth it, um, you know, and having a bit of a laugh and being a little bit, sometimes a little bit of a laughing stock to people who you're around is okay. Um, you know, the language learners are all really a little bit comedian too. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. I think we just, I think we just provide, provide general comedy for the people around us who either think that we're think that we're funny when we make mistakes or they're genuinely wondering why on earth it is that we spend all of this time learning languages 
Well, yeah, that's true. true. (laughs) But, you know, we know why we're doing it because it's fun. Yay. On that note, (laughs) to all of you (laughs) crazy language learners, um, we would love to hear your embarrassing mistakes and if you were willing to share with us, of course. Um, Yeah, anything juicy we'd love to hear or, or not juicy as the case may be. Yes. Yes. Any interesting or just very educational mistakes that maybe have helped you along the way? Um, yeah, we would love to hear from you. Um, share your share your fun comedic moments with us um, and we can all laugh together. <laughs> and I think it's a good time back to, to say thank you for listening in 2020. Um, to all of our episodes and all of our wonderful guests for coming on to language chats and for all your wonderful comments and and thoughts and feedback and stuff we 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 love it so thank you very much yes all all seconded um and if you would like to um if you haven't yet um but you would like to get in touch with us um then do find us at languagelovers.com.au you can find some more information about us there um you can also subscribe to our newsletter um, but also if you are on Facebook, um, feel free to join our community. It's called Language Lovers AU Community. It's a Facebook group for, for well, people who are interested in languages and um, either Australian or living in Australia, um, and we have some pretty fun chats there sometimes. Um, so do join along if you are, if you're interested. Um, otherwise, you can find us on Instagram at languagelovers.au um, and on our Facebook page too, languagelovers.au. Yep. And stay tuned for more language chats in 2021. We're just going to take a little short break, but we'll be back in the new year with, with more language chats. We will. We can't wait. I know. Another year of fun. <laughs> Another year of languages. Another year of of embarrassing mistakes, probably too. Well, that too. That too. So, if you're listening to this in December, wishing you all a very happy Christmas and end of year and summer and holiday. And we will see you again in 2021. We will. See you again soon. Bye.